The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. The economy is changing. The winds are moving in a different direction. And businesses, rightly so, are concerned. So what should they be doing to position themselves for success in this uncertain economy? To discuss that, Meredith Elliott Powell. Meredith, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Hey, well, uh, nice to have you. So um, so what do you know about positioning companies for uh for success in this uh, economic uh, uncertainty, because we certainly are dealing with some of it more so every day. Yeah, you know, it's, I feel like every single time I either talk with a business owner or talk with a sales professional or talking with audiences, everybody is really worried about uncertainty. Most people have come off a really strong 2018. And even though they've come out of the gate pretty strong um, in 2019, everybody's still waiting for the shoe to drop. And so, whether the shoe drops or not, we've sort of laid it out there. So the question becomes, what are companies, what do you need to do to deal with the reality that is, um, you know, that is uncertainty? Right, and so this is about one of my favorite, favorite topics. All right. So listen, before we talk about what to do, let's talk about what circumstances uh, you see in the environment that companies uh, and executives in those companies need to start being uh, aware of and start paying attention to. Well, I think the first thing, great question, by the way, first thing they need to start paying attention to is everybody is waiting for some wizard or guru, in my opinion, to show up and tell them what the economy is going to do. And I think that all you have to do is watch the news for one day to see that you can flip back and forth with channels or go back and forth with podcasts. And on one, you'll hear it's up. On the next, you'll hear it's down. And pretty much that leads us to assume that nobody's really exactly sure. So I think the first thing that, um, that businesses and leaders need to do is just embrace that what made them successful in 2018 probably won't be enough to make them successful in 2019, just because we have laid the gauntlet out there of uncertainty. And, and you're talking about uh, the stock market, interest rates. What, what exactly are you referring to? I'm talking about everything from stock market to interest rates to what's happening um, politically to um, to what is happening from a competitive environment to what's happening globally. I mean, I think I think the news that came out with Apple this week is, is such a great example. You know, here's a company that we really put up there as, you know, 
at, at the top of just having, you know, unprecedented growth. And they come out with, you know, less than stellar performance. And the reason being is because the winds shifted on them. Carriers started, stopped subsidizing um, the purchase of telephones and the Chinese economy, something they were betting on, slowed down. To tell people that the thing you need to pay attention to is, in my opinion, for one of the first times in history, we're living in a time where the majority of things that could impact your success are outside of your business and they're outside of your control. Yeah, well, there's a lot, a lot that's outside. I was never surprised by this Apple thing. I've always thought that uh, it really was uh, overinflated to begin with and that they really have been uh, riding this tide uh, excessively. People have been a little bit overly excited about it, which by, the, by itself it creates a lot of uncertainty when you have this level of enthusiasm and then people kind of start going a little bit cold. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we definitely have been down that road before. I mean, just remember that, you know, the dot-com bust. But the thing, um, either way, if, if, you know, if the Apple was the, the second coming or if it, you know, did get a little bit hyped, just imagine where Apple would be today had they stopped, looked outside of the company, and really seen the fact that, you know, their growth strategies were, um, you know, were balanced on this idea that carriers subsidized um, phones and that the Chinese economy was going to continue to grow. Anybody could have told you those tides were going to change. And so if you're going to succeed in times of uncertainty, you need to be um, paying close attention to the things that are happening outside of your business. Well, you know, all of us know pretty much what is going to happen. We just don't know when. Timing is the one right. that none of us can predict. And so, uh, so what you're saying is that we have to be aware of what's going to happen uh, so that when it happens, uh, we're ready, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, as business owners and as leaders, we need to be hyper-focused on our growth plans. We need to know what we want to accomplish, when we want to accomplish it. At the same time, we've got to be paying um, attention to the external forces that are going to require us to be flexible. I mean, let's talk about, you know, election season when that comes back around. You know, depending on who takes the White House could definitely, it definitely impact, um, you know, your ability to be successful. If gas prices go up or down in your marketplace, if a, you know, if a new competitor, if you work in an industry that Amazon's even looking at, um, things could change, could impact your ability to be successful. And I want to stress, they could impact it negatively or positively. If you yeah. see change coming, I think it could create opportunity. Put your head in the sand, I think it's going to be a negative. You know, when the president, uh, the current president took over uh, about two years ago, stock market just exploded. I mean, almost the day after the mm -hmm. election, the stock market exploded, had a lot of pent-up energy and started going up because there was a perception that there would be a lot of relaxation of uh, regulation and things that had been putting the brakes on the economy. And, and that pretty much turned out to be true. So that was a real thing that, that really did uh, impact the economy and impacted businesses, both the macro economy and the micro economy. So, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, for sure. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it it is, there is so much disruption happening. I mean, I was, I was just working with a client in, um, in Washington, D.C., and they have a pretty big um, uh, technology uh, component of their business. And they're concerned about um, uh, Amazon coming to town because they're concerned about 
you know, will they be able to hold on to employees? Will they be able to provide the services? At the same time, it creates a major opportunity because more technology talent will come to that, um, that area. They have some opportunity to get kind of creative with um, their flexibility and work-life balance, which is something I understand employees at, at Amazon don't generally have. So, so again, just that stress of uncertainty can have such a negative connotation, right? Because we're just bent to like to be able to control things and be certain about it. But as you and I have discussed, we're in major times of uncertainty. And from a business perspective, you've got to learn how to thrive in it. You know, the funny thing is that just asking the question, you know, let's say that Amazon's going to come, what's going to happen if this, what's going to happen if that, just asking the question begins to solve the problem. And that's the great yeah. thing that companies need to do. They need to be asking hard questions. Hard questions are really at the core of the, of the solution in, in every situation. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's not only asking the hard questions, but creating the space and the time to ask the questions, to realize that the role, the shift of the leadership team isn't as much to work in the business, but to really be paying attention to the winds of change that are external and to be asking those questions. Because you're right, when you sit down with the team and you say, how's our world changing? How's our competitive environment changing? Just doing that starts to open the conversation. And opening the conversation brings about the new ideas that are kind of the mother of invention. So what have you seen? Have you seen uh, great companies, great companies that you work with or keynote for or whatever you, you do? And I know you do all those things. Um, do they leave time on every agenda to uh, discuss hard questions? Or does that happen at a retreat once every six months? Or what kind of formula or format do companies use to have those discussions so that they can get out of the tactical and get to the higher level and think once in a while. Yeah, the the method that I'm seeing that is that is really working um, the best, and uh, and I know this really intimately because I'm, I'm working on a, a book that highlights um, companies. So I've been spending a lot of time with companies that seem adverse to some of the risks that the rest of us um, uh, suffer from. And one of the, as, as it comes to creating that time to, um, to strategize about what's happening externally to the business, it's reserved for a, um, a quarterly uh, brainstorming session, which I think is smart because I think change happens. I think once a year would definitely be too little and I'm not really sure six months would, would be enough. So, um, spending that time at least quarterly and that allows them to not only have that conversation about what's happening, but also reflect on their results. That's a pretty good rhythm. So, so this would be outside the context of a normal day-to-day -day, uh, tactical meeting. I mean, the people typically uh, go to a special environment where they just focus on these issues or is it part of a bigger, a bigger discussion and it's just like they kind of wall off a little time for, strategic planning or how do, how do they do it? Well, yeah, I think, I see companies do it a variety of different ways. And I think every single way is acceptable. Um, I've got a company right now that I work with that they do nothing more than take 30 minutes of a traditional board meeting on a quarterly basis and just ask everybody to think about it before they come in so that all the time that they have is for um, discussion. I've got another company that I work with that they really devote a full day to it to really talk about the things that are happening in their industry with their competitors, politically, um, society in general, and then weave that back into their fluid strategic plan. 
So I think that um, just getting started with the process, um, you know, if 30 minutes is all you've got, that's better than, than nothing. The, do, the thing I do know is that it, at first it may seem cumbersome, but it produces such a different level of, stri- of flexible strategic thinking that um, it will be something that you and your team, board, whomever uh, uh, look used to. And, you know, and if there are people on this, um, listen, if it was listeners who run smaller businesses who think, you know, who would I talk to? This is a great thing to do with your peers. I, I worked it into a mastermind um, that, that I've got. I think it's something important for us to focus on because you want to be ahead of the changes happening, not only in your industry, but you also want to be the head of the changes that are happening with your customers. You know, a mastermind is such a brilliant thing. And actually that's a great place for uh, a company leader to uh, get a lot of those hard questions because those kinds of groups tend to do a great job of dealing with hard questions because none of them are dealing with anything tactical because they don't have tactical things to do as a group. So all they think about are strategic initiatives and issues uh, that they all can then apply to their own situation. So uh, being part of that kind of group really probably would help you to develop the hard questions which you then can bring back to your team. And again, in my experience, the second you ask a hard question, uh, your brain and your team starts working on overdrive to uh, get the answers. Yeah, and I think that it's... um. You know, and I, I think it's so important that whether it's with your team or it's with an, a mastermind, that you you force it to be strategic at the strategic level. Because I, I don't know, I don't know what it is about. I don't know if we're designed this way, but we tend to focus on what we're currently doing or the past, and we don't spend enough time focusing on the future. And I think for most of our professional lives, we've gotten away with that because. You know, change what we used to do strategic plans every five, seven years. You know, you could you had a longer life before disruption would truly happen, and now you don't. And so, the more time that um, that you can devote to really being at that higher strategic level, it it it's something that don't be surprised if you show up and you've sort of got to pull people to go that way with you. It is, it is shocking. One of, the, one of the most shocking things to me is how fast the world is moving these days. You know, even yeah. 20, 25 years ago, you'd write a little business plan, you'd organize something, you'd roll something <laughs> out, it would take a year or two, maybe three. Now, a lot of these people, they're rolling out brand new apps in like a week. And yeah. the, the, the creation cycle, the conversion cycle is so fast that it really, it's frightening. It really is hard to keep up. And large companies that have large uh, infrastructures that they have to mobilize really are at a disadvantage when it comes to uh, to being creative. And that, well, of course, that's why they have to buy little companies uh, because they can't build it inside. I mean, they just can't. Right. The um, uh, I've been doing a lot of work um, around the innovation of strategic planning. And, and one of the things I've been reading and studying about addresses this problem like you're talking about with these, with these larger companies. And, and what they're starting to do is scenario strategic planning is to, you know, they build the strategic plan, but within it, they build scenarios of two or three things that they believe could possibly happen um, you know, externally to the company in the next two to three years. Will they see a new competitor? Will the, you know, will the customer, how they, will the customer buying process be different? Whatever. And they can, that um, forces them to have like plan A, B, and C. 
Now, it doesn't mean that they'll actually implement A, B, and C, but just by discussing scenarios and having different plans, it keeps you more fluid and able to flex if you need to be able to do that. And I thought that was, um, I thought that was an interesting way for larger companies to try to get themselves to be nimble because it is difficult the bigger you are. However, if you can't flex and you're big, the downside of that is just going to be huge. You know, I'd like to talk about some of the questions that you've seen companies ask. I mean, one of the things that I always find, somebody will say something and I'll say, and what's the impact of that? And then they'll stay and I'll say, mm. okay, what's the impact of doing that? And then they'll say, and, and, and by asking the same question over and over, it kind of helps you reach a logical conclusion. It may not be perfectly right, but it helps, it helps me to make predictions. I'll even think that to myself frequently. So I'll think about something and I'll think, okay, what's the impact of that? And then, you know, you kind of go on and on because a lot of times, uh, you know, like these chess players that think 10 moves ahead, uh, it's very hard for us to think a couple moves ahead. So we'll just blurt something out and then be done. But the truth is that by asking a little question like that, it kind of at least has helped me kind of think down the road a little bit. What are some of the great questions you've seen people ask? Yeah, you know, I just, I just finished working with, um, with a company that we ended up, they ended up making the decision to make some transformations around leadership, um, given how they saw society and their customers changing. And so the question literally on the table, the conversation began of what changes do we see happening in society? Well, they certainly talked about the fact that, you know, there's, we've got this influx of, you know, huge generation of millennials that led to the fact that a lot more, um, young women were, were going into colleges, like something, you know, they, they dominated a lot of the professions that were typically, um, you know, male dominated. That transferred into what is the impact of that going to be from, um, from money, from earning, from buying power, from wealth? What is our customer going to look like going forward? Well, if more of our customers are going to be women, what are women going to want? What are they going to design? Are we, do we reflect that? Would we be attractive? to the female buyer. And we just went down an entire, um, uh, you know, conversation like that. And what it basically led to was a strategic plan that said they need to dramatically um, change the, the makeup of their, um, of their top level and executive level leaders to be more reflective of the customer that they want to attract in the next five to 10 years. Listen, that, that, that really proves that asking hard questions uh, produces good answers. I mean, that's just the nature of how we work as human beings. Uh, and one of yeah. the things yeah. that, one of the things that I notice is that hard questions are not really hard. It's not like you know people think, well, what's give me a hard a hard math problem? I mean, we're not talking about like Harvard level PhD mathematics. I mean, we're talking about something. The hardest questions in business are the most simple, like who mm -hmm. are our customers probably going to be. I mean, you know, right. I mean, there isn't a fifth grader in America that couldn't understand the question, <laughs> but, but right. answering that question is hard. And, and so that's, you know, we have to really frame questions uh, in, a, in a very simple way to produce really, really good answers for ourselves. Yeah, I think what makes the, the questions difficult is that they force us to deal with reality. And, um, and the reality is when you take your head out of your business, you'll just see that a lot on the outside has, um, 
is really changing. The interesting thing to me about this company that I was just discussing is that um, I go to conference after conference where everybody is talking about the transfer of wealth going into the hands of millennials and going into the hands of women. Over and over and over, you find it on all the investment magazines and everything. But I haven't seen a company really taking the bull by the horns and making the change. And, and, and that is when you ask the hard questions, it forces you to look at the hard reality, which gives you the opportunity get out in front of your competition and get out in front of change that you see coming. The funny thing to me about uncertainty is that we're all like, we don't know what's going to happen. Well, if you stop, you take a breath and you spend some time talking. You said it beautifully at the top of this interview. We kind of all know what's happening. We just don't know exactly when. Yep. Yep. That's, that's kind of the, uh, <laughs> that's kind of the bottom line is that uh, we all pretty much know what, but not when. So, um, you know, what do you think are, uh, why aren't companies, uh, you know, taking the kind of actions that you just described? So they know that women and millennials are coming along. They know there's this transfer. Why aren't they taking the right kind of actions? You know, I think, I think it's because it's kind of like, you know, we all go to the doctor and the doctor says, if we can, you know, we continue to drink beer and eat corn dogs, we're going to have a heart attack. And we shake our head. Yes. And we know that's probably going to happen. And we go back out the door and we, you know, eat corn dogs and, and drink beer. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's because in order to make those types of, um, of changes, it forces, it forces people and companies to get out of their comfort zone and nothing's on fire right now. So, you know, I mean, you just, um, I just spoke for a company that um, just had an unbelievable 2018 and what the, um, uh, what the CEO wanted me to come in and talk about was the fact that uh, he's got a, he's got to wake his team up to be do, do things differently in 2019. That's a hard sell when you've just had a really, really good year. And so, um, you know, people, we tend to not make change until it's painful. So um, what I'd like people to understand and what my platform is and what I'm passionate about is helping you make change while there's so much opportunity in the marketplace because you're going to change. It's just a matter of it's when you decide or the market decides. You know, I think Andrew, the CEO of Intel, wrote a book, and he said it was it was something about being paranoid. I think Bill Gates was always paranoid too. The these technology guys had a certain paranoia that somebody was going to be, uh, you know, passing them in any moment, and they always mm -hmm. had this paranoia. So they never got you know fat and fat and lazy. They always uh, you know were right. uh, stayed nimble and and you know fast to be able to change, and and you know. In a certain way, that's that's it. I mean, listen, uh, you know, eating the corn dog thing. I, maybe in a certain way, uh, you know, we don't want to believe what's true, and so we just kind of rationalize that it's never going to happen or whatever we do. But in business and, and in health, by the way, I think you're right about that. Uh, there there are realities, whether we like them or not, that are going to come to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what you're describing, that that is exactly going to happen. So, all right, so let's say that there is uh, economic uncertainty. Let's say that there's political uncertainty. There's trade, uh, you know, initiatives, uncertainty. Uh, I mean, really what you're talking about is all of these issues need to be addressed through some strategic planning process every three or four months 
where you're asking hard questions. What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? Uh, who's going to be our customer? How's things going to change? Uh, is that really, that's really kind of a summary of what we're talking about here, right? It's exactly, I'll give you kind of a mini example of this. I, I had a customer um, uh, right when the last election in, um, in North Carolina uh, happened and they make a lot of their, uh, a lot of their revenue is based on a tax incentive. What they sell is incented from a tax perspective for people to buy and they're running along. I mean, they are just having one phenomenal year after, um, after another. And we started this process because I did some strategic planning for them. And the, and the first go round when we went through this process of asking the hard questions was the very fact that when we looked at things economically and politically, there was a really good chance that Republicans were going to take back over, um, in the state of North Carolina. Um, and, and what did that mean? What would the impact be to, to use your terminology? Well, the impact would be that, you know, more than, more than certain, these tax incentives were going to go away. Well, that was up to 70% of their revenue. So um, this was a good year, year and a half out. Best case scenario, they invented another product line that wasn't tax incentive based. Okay. Um, worst case scenario, that those tax incentives are taken away and they've got another revenue stream to make up for the revenue stream they just lost. And what happened was Republicans won, their tax incentive was taken away, not as quickly as they thought, but they were ready and they, and they came through it beautifully. So all those things that you're talking about should be talked about, all those, all those situations you brought up should be in, should be in the forefront of discussions of, um, of leaders today. And they should be asking, what if, could we, what would we do? How would we pivot? Where would we go? And then when it does happen, they have a plan. If it doesn't happen, then you still have a great plan and a second um, avenue to, to keep, um, you know, to keep moving forward. I just love that, that uh, even if it didn't work out, then they end up with a better, yeah. you know, so if they <laughs> yeah, I mean, plan it's, and, yeah. and they end up not being injured by some political change that they end up with a better plan than they had before. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it is, I think the worst thing you can be is a victim because while it's fun to complain, I mean, I'd love to get on here and talk politics with you and whine all day long about how horrible everybody is and all those things. But the problem is when we finish the conversation, we'd still be in the same hole that we're in when we started. So I want to get people out of victim mode and back into a power mode. And this process is the, is the way to get there. you got no control over what's going to happen out there, but you do have control over understanding what it is, what your strategy is to deal with it, and how to use it and leverage it as a way to truly propel you forward and give you competitive advantage. And how you respond is, is entirely up yep. to you. I mean, I just listen. Yep. Uh, this is... Uh, you know, there, there are things that we all know, but because we know them doesn't mean that we do them. And we mm -hmm. all know we need a plan. We all know we need to think. We all know we need to uh, be on top of issues, uh, you know, but we don't always do it. And one of the other things, you know, we talk about asking these hard questions. One of the things a lot of times that happens in businesses is that they get very insular and they don't really think about things that yeah. are happening outside of their own company. And of course, that's mm -hmm. leadership's job is really to look out off the bow of the ship and uh, look forward and see what's going on and see what's about to happen and what's coming close and 
And that really uh, is an important objective. Is, you know, they really have to be paying attention. And all the more reason for people to get in mastermind groups and be involved with other people who are outside of their company and get perspectives from other people who are, uh, who are able to bring interesting perspectives. So, well, listen, Meredith, thank you very much. This has been, uh, you know, an interesting conversation, uh, a critical conversation. And uh, thank you for, for sharing what you know. Thank you. It's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it, Joel. Awesome. Well, listen, we'll post your uh, contact info and uh, your bio and some other things in the show notes and people can get a hold of you. And I just appreciate uh, having the opportunity to connect with you. And, and, and I appreciate having a professional relationship with you as well. Great. Thanks, Joel. Very well. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.